Rockin' All Week with you, Season 4, Episode 7. I am your host, Dan. It's a Happy Days podcast, everyone. And I hope you're enjoying it. I hope, uh, I hope you're doing okay, uh, whatever you're up to. Uh, this episode, we are discussing Time Capsule and the Book of Records. Oh, that's um, it's very, um, I was going to say portentous, but that's not, not quite the right word to use. But oh, Time Capsule and the Book of Records. Not silly titles, not goofy titles. Um, they seem very important titles. So let's, let's dive right into Time Capsule, shall we? January 11th, 1977. Written by Dave Ketchum and Tony DeMarco. Directed by Jerry Paris. And yes, that's Dave Ketchum, Agent 13. And a lot of, I believe he was, um, he was Harvey Schmidlap. I believe in uh, in Green Acres episode where Kimball gets fired, if I remember correctly, seems like we have another Harvey Schmidlap amongst us. Um, but David Ketchum, you know him when you saw him. Obviously, Agent Thirteen in, in Get Smart, um, and I think he's in the Get Smart, the late '80s TV reunion movie of Get Smart, as opposed to the late '70s Maxwell Smart movie, The Nude Bomb. Both of them are fun, um, and. Maybe there's something to do with the fact that like Dave Dave Ketchum is in this and he's a, he's a, he's he's funny and gets smart and other things and he had a comedy album out, I think in the '60s. Maybe something to do with that is why this episode is pretty darn funny. It's 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 really nice because the first half is just a bunch of jokes, and then the second half is sort of um, a bit of a dilemma, which I will get to in a moment. Um, but it's all it's all funny, and the the jokes during the dilemma are very funny, which is something that always helps. But um, let me just give you a, a time capsule. Uh, Richie is in charge of putting together a time capsule that's going to be open in the twenty fifties, not terribly far away from where we. I mean, thirty years is is far away, but uh, not terribly far away from from now. And uh, he's collecting something from everyone to put into the capsule. They were originally doing it in the gym at the school, but. Potsy dropped an anchor on the floor. Then they were doing it in the living room of the Cunningham's house, and they finally end up um, do, uh, doing their final assembly in um, Arnold's area. You know, the, the, the on the Arnold set. You know, in the in the, in the eating area, and then they're going to move to uh, the vault in Mister C's hardware store that Mister C uses to take naps in. And uh, it's one of those, you know, it's kind of a big vault, don't close the door kind of thing. And there's a there's a hammock in there. And, um, and yeah, and they, they go down there. And Richie, Potsy, and Ralph go down there with three uh, gals. And they, one of whom looks very familiar. And they are going to um, pick through the stuff that, and pick through everything and see what will go in the time capsule. The Fonz happens to be there with Miss Radcliffe from the Board of Education. Um, they may be doing a little fooling around in there. Just as Miss Radcliffe leaves, Potsy accidentally closes the door, and they're locked in on a Friday evening, and they can't get out, and they won't be let out until Mr. C shows up Monday morning. So, and the air doesn't really circulate through there, so they're dead. Here's a little blast of music. There is something fun to be said about sort of like they're going to seal all this stuff in a time capsule not to be opened up for a hundred years and halfway through they accidentally get sealed in a vault which won't be opened up for three days and they'll probably be suffocated <laughs> oh oh the comedy oh the comedy Luck, luckily when they're trapped inside the vault it's once you get over Potsy being but Potsy doesn't know but Potsy shuts the door um why would Potsy shut the door though I mean if they, if they arrive at the vault and the door is open why would Potsy 
think i mean i guess he is potsy but why would he shut the door i mean why you know if 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 you know my best friend in 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 high school's dad had a vault in his business and we went inside the vault i wouldn't shut the door on the vault i wouldn't touch anything unless i mean well i don't know maybe back in the if this set in the 50s maybe they didn't have any as many reference points for vaults as closing vaults closing and stuff like that not opening as you know we we do in a you know pop culture world um uh but but still yeah potsy almost closes the door again later on when they, they get it open potsy sings some songs which are funny sings gets happy get happy which is ready for the judgment day they're all starving and he sings lollipop lollipop oh lolly lollipop which is fun uh ralph though gets i think well okay let, let's try to let's try to go in order i i because i i hop to the second half because i think the second half is pretty pretty wonderful i mean it isn't as great as say like guess who's coming to christmas when once you leave arnold's and you and you get to go to the um go to the um go to the repair shop from that point on it's brilliant this point once they get like locked in the vault it's pretty darn good all the way through including the tag scene where they're all the cunninghams are all sitting around uh, the uh dinner table and um talking into a recorder um very funny scene I, I recommend you listen to it they're all goofing around <laughs> they're all, it's all fun Joni's got a great response and um you know and uh Richie sings I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill and says that's my trademark and yeah it's it's a it's a funny scene it's, it's a funny episode um the the thing that might throw you at the beginning if you've been watching the episodes in order is that two episodes ago uh it was very specifically stated as it was two weeks I believe before Christmas in the previous episode there's a spring dance in the second half of it and people are playing tennis in suspiciously southern california looking weather in shorts and um little tennis skirts and things with no sign of being bothered by cold and now this episode it's suddenly four degrees out and it's freezing so we're jumping all of i mean unless so we had the the christmas adjacent episode which was two weeks before christmas then the spring dance episode which is probably late march april then this one is cold again and wintry again and um so we jump back a couple months i'm sure it was production order i'm sure it was the production order that did that um but it's still weird to see them just kind of completely throwing out um any any concept of um you know continuity in here and hopping all over the place you know and people have said it's you know it's not it's not meant to um follow a specific timeline and i've said this many times but but when you specifically say it's two weeks before christmas and you say no this is the spring dance and it's really warm out you know and then suddenly it's four degrees you know you people are going to get into a nerd on it like uh like we are uh like i am like we all are like enjoy so um yeah, it, it begins with yeah, Joni and um, and Richie, and they filled up the living room with all kinds of the junk for the time capsule. It just looks like boxes full of junk. And I do wonder how Richie gets put in charge of this because there is the Mrs. Radcliffe is there. Miss Radcliffe is there, um, but she doesn't seem to do anything. And they seem to have left the entirety of this huge time capsule thing to Richie. Maybe it's not a huge thing. Maybe this is just Richie and the guys trying to pick up chicks because that's the way it seems to look in the second half. But there's something about, like, you think there would be more to a time capsule than this. It looks like he's goofing. It looks like he's, you know, pulling a Music Man kind of um, kind of thing. And like Robert Preston, you know, he's pretending to create the, you know, Margin the Monorail, Universe of the Monorail kind of thing. He's pretending to do the time capsule. So, well, the Music Man, of course, I, I didn't mean to, uh, yeah, with, with uh, Richie. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, there, there's something... Um, 
there's something very false about the time capsule that feels fake. And just the fact, too, that he seems to be actually stealing things from people. Like, he goes to Fonzie's apartment and takes uh, white t-shirt number 23, which the Fonz wants back. And the Fonz donates his first leather jacket from when he was seven. And there's a sequence where he says, you know, like, look, at the, look at the lipstick on there. That was from Lucy someone or other. She was 16, I was seven. Boy, did she learn fast. And it's it's a funny joke. And it's it's one of those jokes that... It's one of those jokes, like like a lot of the stuff the guys do when they're kind of pervin on the girls in this episode. Um, we'll do a uh, just tell us what to do. We'll every we'll do whatever you want. And Ralph's face smiles, and the audience goes crazy. And it it is kind of, it's not something I'm going to dwell on here. But yeah, it it feels fairly pervy <laughs> for now. But um, I'm fairly certain we would have laughed at it back then. And I giggled at it now, so so I'm not I'm not going to go into that here because the last episode was so long. I'm trying to keep this episode short, and I'm working on the theory with this one that uh, the, at the end of the last episode I said those both those episodes in the last one I didn't really like, and a lot of the episodes me trying to figure out why. I quite like this episode. Yes, there are some dud moments. Yeah, the guys feel a bit pervy. Yeah, Potsy's. Um, idiocy does border on it, it's funny you can have a dumb character I'm thinking like say of uh, Father Dougal McGuire from Father Ted or someone like I mean Hank Kimball isn't really dumb he seems to have something seems to be slightly wrong with Hank um, I guess Jethro um, from Beverly Hillbillies but the, the thing about your your classic dumb characters like a Dougal or I, I guess Hank Kimball um, or in some ways even Maxwell Smart to, to some respects, is they're funny. Your classic dumb character has to be funny. And Potsy has a few funny moments here, and Potsy's always charming. But but there does get a point where dumb can cross over into annoyance. And that that is one of the eh, moments here. Um, I don't fully understand why they have that long scene in Arnold's, because at the end of the scene in the Cunninghams, it's... Um, why is all the stuff here? We want to use the vault. Dad says no. There's some funny stuff with, with Mr. C saying, I like to take naps in the vault and rest. And, and Mrs. C gets very um, jealous. Oh, yeah, I'm down there with Jane Russell, Marion. And uh, he says, you can use the vault. So then you would expect it to cut to the vault with them sorting everything. And then maybe the door can close. But it cuts to this scene in Arnold's that goes on for a very long time. And I don't know why we have to go from the Cunninghams to Arnold's to the vault. When they're told the Cunninghams that they go to the vault. That just seems strange to me. And I've never fully... As I sit there watching the scene in Arnold's, I can't figure out what they're doing because it looks like they just moved all the boxes from the living room into Arnold's on a table in the middle of everything. And, it, and it, it's so intrusive upon the restaurant that it does really feel like... I, I mentioned in the last episode, I think, it really does feel like if one standing set is the living room, dining room, kitchen, the other standing set is Arnold's then the third standing set sometimes is Fonzie's apartment uh, the third set uh, not the standing set but the third set of the episode will sometimes be Fonzie's apartment but if it isn't you like sit here watching it's going well let's get to the third set let's get to the vault why, why not get to the vault earlier and I guess the thing about it too is I like when they're locked in there so much I think it's nicely done and there is a bit of like how are they going to get out of this and the way they get out of it I think it's pretty smart I won't ruin it here but but the joy of it is the uh, the episode very cleverly um, portends how they're going to get out of it. And as you're sitting there thinking, how are they going to get out of this? Uh, I thought, to be honest, I thought what was going to happen was like, 
Mr. C was like going to show up and be, um, oh, I left um, something in the vault here at lunch today, and what are you all doing locked in here or something like that? But actually, it's much more clever than that. And again, it's um, foreshadowed earlier in the episode. And um, I, I will point out too, um, just because I have the episode playing here, that um, yeah, Richie's going to the vault with a young woman who looks suspiciously like someone he might marry, and then um, I, I won't say. T- well, it's okay. It's it's um, it's Lori Beth. It's not Lori Beth, but it's it's the same actress, Linda Goodfriend, and. Um, playing another character who who Richie flirts around with in this episode, and Ralph and Potsy have two other. What, what are they called? I forget what the gals are called, like the assorted nuts or something like that. I forget what it says on the back of their jackets. I'll probably see it in a moment. I'll yell it out when I do see it. But it's like Potsy's going with like the smartest girl in school, and Ralph's going with the dumbest. And um, there's all the kinds of, you know, the dumb girl is pretty dumb and says dumb things, and the smart girl, I guess she says smart things. She says something to them. She, she, in a sentence, she uses the word magnanimous, but all the rest of the words in the sentence are pretty standard. She's not going too far afield, but it's one of, it's one of those sentences where she, you know, she, the sentence goes on a little bit and she uses the word magnanimous and the guy's like, what did she say? I don't know. And it's like, um, oh, guys, come on, let's, let's not be that stupid or forgive me. Let's write a better sentence. Shall we? How about that? Um, but yeah, a sort of nut. She's a pecan, is the smart girl, and um, one of them I think is—I um, forget what the other ones are. Uh, they're they're nuts of assorted varieties. But I just I just don't sort of understand the the moving the boxes from one spot to another spot. I would have really liked it if they would have gone directly from. I mean, maybe maybe it's in the in the in the contract that Al Molinero has to appear in every episode. That's the only reason I could think of. He has a fun, sweet scene in this one, and that's it. He's going to get one of his menus in the time capsule. I don't. I, I truly. That that that's the one thing that kind of irks me about the episode because the scene in the vault is so fun. I think and funny, and in different ways too. Like Potsy is being annoying, funny, and 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 the Fonz is trying to keep everyone cool. And Richie and the Fonz have a great conversation where they're trying not to let anyone in on the fact that you know there's no air circulating through, and they're, they're but they're getting some laughs out of it and enjoying each other's company. And Ralph has the best shtick where he just keeps going crazy over and over again, and he gets to know some mannequins very well which I, which I think I think is very funny um there I will say the, the the weird the weird thing is the reason why the the vault door gets closed is the Fonz for some reason takes Mrs. Radcliffe to the vault to fool around with her in the vault and so as he lets Mrs. Radcliffe out Potsy shuts the door behind her I have no idea why he takes her there why would he take her there especially considering the fact that I don't think the Fonz has ever mentioned in any way, shape, or form going to the hardware store. It it just it does it doesn't make any sense. It it doesn't make any sense why they go to Arnold's and then the vault. And it doesn't make any sense why um the Fonz takes Mrs. Radcliffe Miss Radcliffe to the vault. It's not his hardware store. He's a grown man. I don't know why. I can't see Mr. C saying, you know he must know Fonzie must know that they're going to the vaults. And I th- 
wasn't he in the room? He was in the room when they said they could use the vault. That doesn't make sense to me. Why, why, why Fonzie takes Miss Radcliffe there? And the tricky thing with Miss Radcliffe is that when she steps out from behind a box with her glasses off, it's very obvious that the audience doesn't recognize who she is. And all three of the guys have to say, Miss Radcliffe. And then suddenly the audience goes, oh, but it's it's very clear when she steps out that they have no idea who this is because she has her like her jacket off and her glasses off, um, which is maybe maybe they should have left her in that maybe slightly like with her hair mussed up or something like that. But anyway, I'm trying not to talk for a thousand hours about this episode because I think it's a fun episode. Um and I think, yeah, the, the interactions within the vault sequences, the first half is, is fun, um, even the Arnold scene. Uh, the second half is fun, too, as they're in the vault and when they finally get out. And then the closing tag scene where they're recording stuff in the time capsule is very funny. I I, I mean, I didn't talk about this one much at all, but I mean, it's it's overall, it's, it's great. I mean, Ralph is the funniest in the vault, not trying to knock down the doors, standing next to the mannequins, talking to the mannequins, all the stuff. Um, they do do that thing, though, where... Um, once the vault door gets opened, um, instead of all of them immediately like exiting the room as fast as possible, they allow Potsy to rush up to the door and almost close it again. Luckily, the Fonz is on the other side and he stops it from closing. But it's still, it's still a bit, it's still a bit weird. <laughs> it's still a bit weird. So let me, um, yeah, I think, I think overall this is a solid, this is a funny episode. I mean, one of the ways you can always spot, um, w- whether or not you're, you, you got to show. I, I don't know. This, this, this might be a rule I'm just making up right here. But, but like, um, you, you don't in a, in a comedy, you don't have to put your, your characters in danger. I mean, think of. Green Acres, you know how many episodes, how many, how many times were uh, was anyone in danger in Green Acres? There's that time they did get trapped in the basement that one time where they basically opened that one door in the hallway where the bathroom is. Like, where did this door go to? And they suddenly get trapped like in a basement somewhere in the house. Um, and they do have the episodes with like robbers. Um, there are two of those. Oh, and well, technically three of those because there's one with the cereal too and the jewelry in the cereal. Um, um, Oliver keeps getting like cheap baseball cards uh, and everyone else gets like diamond tiaras and ruby rings and stuff like that's a great episode but um and but but I would say that one of the things with the sitcom is that when you put when you can put characters into a situation where there is some threat and generally I don't mean like someone pointing a gun at them. I mean, because there, there is a point in one of those Green Acres episodes where the pointing the gun becomes a little too, um, little too much. Um, and, uh, but, but, but I, I think, um, un- unless you have a character who, like, if there's a robber there or there's a the thief there or a crook there or something, unless you have a character like, there's an, uh, Count Arthur Strong, a show I love, there's a bit where, um, there is a guy who's in Count Arthur's house who's basically there to rip him off and take advantage of him because he's a little older and adult. But um, Arthur's general attempts to be kind, which uh, eventually like escalate into Kathy Bates and Misery-style behavior, um, makes it funny, even though the um, the crook is... Oh, or, or another great line hand thing. What, the IT crowd? The one where they get mixed up with the real men? Um, you see that little Chris display last night? Um, the, they get mixed up with the real men who get involved in the bank robbery. They're dangerous guys, but that's funny. And, and But you don't need people there all the time. This is a good example of that. You lock them in a vault. There's not enough air. There's not enough food. Pretty much no one is going to come to see them. Now, granted, I would think if like midnight hits 
And it's like, where the heck is Richie? Well, where were they going? To the vault. Let me go check the vault. I would think they'd be out of there relatively quick. I mean, I mean, could you, do you honestly think Mr. and Mrs. C, like, like Saturday morning, well, he's not here. Let's call Ralph. Ralph's not here. Let's call Potsy. Potsy's not here. Where's the Fonz? He's not here. Where were they going last? To the vault. Yeah. So a... So, yeah, and this, even when I don't mean to talk a lot about an episode, I, I wind up talking a lot about uh, an episode. Um, there's a lot, a lot to talk about. I mean, Jenny Piccolo is mentioned again. Joni mentions that Jenny Piccolo is charging 50 cents that evening for a party. She has a sunbather magazine, which I, I assume are a muscular, oily guys. Um, and for some reason, I never thought the, the audience for those sunbather magazines circa that time period were, like, 14, 15 year old girls, but apparently, apparently they were. Um, then what it was the other stuff? There's the um, I'm I'm just looking at my notes real quick just to see. Like I said, it's a good episode. I, I think um, it's funny. And again, one of one of the the sort of the, you could spawn a show that's its its strengths with how well it deals with people being sort of locked in a situation like this. Um, because Potsy is dumb, sometimes funny, sometimes annoying. Ralph is hysterical throughout. The Fonz is great. Richie is uh, Richie's fine, but um, but. When Richie and Fonz have their chat together in the hammock, it's just two good, good, great actors just talking and and laughing and having fun, and it's a great, it's a great scene. I wish there were more of those scenes. Um, but I'm just gonna scan my notes one more time, and then I'm done. Jane Russell bit, that's great, and Arnold and Al and Miss Radcliffe, and I don't know what that note means. I can't always read all all, all my notes. And Rebecca and Candy. I think of the two gals, Ralph and, and Potsy, are with. That's four degrees outside. Um, do, 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 do. Da, da, da. Pecan. Vanilla? Uh, friends, Crass, very nice. Hot. Eisenhower. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would, um, I'm gonna, like I said, trying to keep it shorter, but I think, I think, um, I think Time Capsule is, is a fun episode of the show. It's, it's interesting, too, like, came out in 77. Set in like fifty eight, fifty nine for a time capsule to be open in twenty fifty, and um, it's, it's weird at at this moment. I just thought like, uh, you know, what what would people think in in thirty years from now if they open a time capsule with the stuff from nineteen fifty, and they looked at sort of the history of nineteen fifty, because a lot of nineteen fifties uh, weren't great for a lot of people as much as Happy Days tries to, um, show otherwise. But I I. I can't help thinking, and then I'll, and then we'll go on to um, uh, Book of Records. Um, that yeah, if 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 America keeps going the way it's going right now, when 2050 hits, they're gonna look at 1950 and go, that was the start of the golden age of America forever. We lost our way for a few decades, but now we're back. Uh, which is kind of too bad, but I'm not gonna elaborate or go any further on that. But I, I just thought that farther, further, farther, anything further, farther. But I just thought that. So that is Time Capsule. I think quite a good episode. And I kept that chestnut pecan and I'm trying to think. Lori, Lori Beth or, or, or um, oh, I hit the wrong button. Okay, chestnut um, pecan. Oh, no, no, there they are. There they are. There they are. Okay. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I saw, suddenly I saw all three of the gals. Um, yeah, and there's that, there's that shot of the, the, the house, that established shot of the house covered in snow. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that they use at Christmas time. Okay, there's all the gals. We're gonna see them rush up there, and there they are. And it's uh, here we go, here we go. And it's their potsy goes shut the door, and it's um, pecan. Ah, uh, crap. I'm sorry. It's um, uh, 
what what is so Lori Beth's character is oh, there we go so pecan is the smart one and Lori Beth's character is chestnut I don't know walnut okay so the smart gal is pecan Lori Beth the Lori Beth stand-in is chestnut and walnut the dumb gal is walnut those are the assorted nuts maybe they, they should have had their own spin-off I don't know so next up is The Book of Records, directed by Jerry Paris, written by uh, Michael Weinberger and Yvette Weinberger, January 18, Uh There is a thing called The Magilla Book of Records, and Al is kind of running a... For, for publicity for Arnold's, um, Al is offering a prize, uh, I believe $100, to anyone who can get into The Book of Records. And I think they... they um, and they send a... Um, you know, a representative and folks do all kinds of things to try to get into it. Um, and as they're doing this, we also we meet um, Fonzie's cousin Angie, who who goes to work for her, who who is a failure at every job he tries. And um, again, you're saying the Fonz for being so alone. He has all these cousins that come out of the woodwork. I know, but when we meet Angie, and Angie's kind of a clumsy kind of dope and doop 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 doop. -doop. I'm Angie. I can't do anything right, but Angie may be able to do something that gets him in the Megillah Book of Records. Listen to this. Monday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. This one I think I'm going to be able to talk about relatively quickly and get you guys out of here with me. I'll be uh, yammering for a thousand hours. The stuff around the Megillah Book of Records, everyone trying to set their records, including the very funny stuff with a girl sitting on Richie's shoulders for about half the episode. That stuff is funny. The scene where they're... You see Bag. Remember Bag Zembrowski? From the... That gang that... Richie and Potsy wanted to get into back in like season one. It's it's his final appearance. He's he does like a handstand for like ten fifteen seconds and then falls over and you see him in the background. He's looking like he's all grown up now. So so maybe you know they kind of, he's there. Maybe he's not the same playing the same character. I don't know. But he's um he's he's looking very adult now. He's not looking like he could be someone in high school or early college anymore. But hey, Bag, one more time, one more time for Bag. And, uh, but the, yeah, the scene with there, the, the, the Megillah Book of Records guy, and, you know, Megillah is Yiddish, and, um, it's, I always sort of, or, uh, I always knew it as sort of like, you know, the whole Megillah, the whole ball of wax, the whole whatever. Um, but apparently also it's, um, looking here, a long involved story or account. Um, an elaborate, complicated production or sequence of events, and and what I thought was everything involved is what is under consideration. So the whole ball of wax, so like the Megillah Book of Records, you know, it gets a laugh from the crowd when he says the Megillah Book of Records. Um, but it's it's um, I guess that's a, is that a, meant to be a person's name like Joey Megillah or something like that? But yeah, it's meant to be like a book that covers all the records in the world and like the Guinness Book of Records, which began in 1955 and which is an annual thing. Um, you know, they're 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 prepping the new edition and they're trying to get someone from uh, Milwaukee into it. And it's it's interesting because when I was a kid, there was a few years where I um, I was fascinated by the Guinness Book of Records and I used to get it every year. But somewhere along the way, my attitude towards the Guinness Book of World Records, and I guess it would have been the same towards the Megillah Book of Records, is uh, the same as Mrs. C's at the end. When they're looking at, I guess, what is the new edition, we could talk about how confusing time is at the end of this episode. Because um, in between when 
um, the the second act ends and and Angie does his thing and gets in the book um, and the tag sequence several months seem to pass um, and some time has definitely passed but um, it's it's done slightly weird. we'll talk about it when we get to that I'm gonna try like I said not to yammer on too much on this but yeah, I'd like to, but my attitude towards the Guinness Book of World Records became, um, like I said, Mrs. C's attitude towards the McGillah book. Um, a Joni's reading it and she says, "Oh, look at this um, world record for watermelon seed spitting," and and Mrs. C's like, "Oh, how much is how how far? Oh, this far? Oh, wow, that's fascinating. Why would anyone want to do that?" And that's kind of, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, like, tallest person, longest tongue you know longest fingernails or whatever that's that's sort of well maybe not the fingernails but you know that's one thing but some of these other things it's like mm, and in this one in this one it's it's what gets uh, angie the record is coin snatching i didn't know it had a name i just thought it was that dumb thing where you put the the like coins on your elbow and then try to grab them real fast with your hand that fascinated me for about 45 minutes like when i was 10 years old and i saw my cousin kenny doing it and i tried to do it for a bit and then you know i was a little kid so i got distracted by something shiny and and went off and never thought about doing that again and but apparently it's a huge thing if, if you look up coins it's still a huge thing and um if you look up the record the record kind of puts what angie does here to shame but maybe circa 1959 things were different Anyway, the stuff involving the Book of Records um, is pretty funny. I, I would I would put some of the stuff up as, as funny as the, as the stuff from the previous episode. It's the stuff with Angie in it that lets the episode down. And I, I was going to compare it to uh, Uncle Ollie, the, uh, the, the final episode of Green Acres' first season, which I... Jay Summers, I don't think... I think it was... Jeez. Oh, I forget who co-wrote it. It was Dick Chevrolet, I think, in... Jeez, I forget I forget who co-wrote it, but it wasn't Jay and Dick. But in that episode, um, uh, Chuck, uh, uh, nephew Chuck, uh, Oliver's nephew Chuck, uh, who's a beatnik, comes to visit the Douglases at the farm, and he's played by Don Edmonds, who uh, you might know better as the director of Ilsa Shewolf of the SS and Terror on Tour. And he was in a lot of stuff. He was in Gijigo's Hawaiian. He was in a couple episodes of Petticoat Junction. Slightly strange-looking guy, um, uh, but he's in he's in that episode as a beatnik, and whenever he's there, the episode isn't good. Uh, not that he's bad; it's just the beatnik angle always gets on my nerves, and and I just don't think it's very funny. But there are other scenes in the episode, specifically as the episode goes along. Here was the difference: sort of in the episode. Angie is mentioned at the beginning of this episode and kind of has more to do as it goes along, which is to the detriment of the episode. In Uncle Ollie, it starts off with, with Chuck Charles in it a bunch, but then as it goes along, it becomes more about like Oliver constantly and other people constantly. Like, basically, Chuck Charles is able to soup up uh, vehicles and he keeps like he soups up Mr. Douglas's car, he soups up the tractor, and it just keeps cutting from them getting into these vehicles and then suddenly in court, you were going 120 miles on a tractor? And as the episode goes along, it's almost like the writers were like, boy, this Chuck character isn't funny. So they gave him this thing to do that let the funny characters be funny. And it's not a great episode, but once you kind of get to the point where they've left Charles behind, Chuck Charles behind, it becomes much funnier. Uh, but this one, unfortunately, Angie's kind of there the whole time, and um, 
he's not a great character and he's, he's one of those characters where you know it's sort of his timeline or storyline or whatever the hell he's doing doesn't seem to make sense and yes I, you know the Fonzie was so alone a couple seasons ago seems to ask the cousins everywhere Angie is um I mean, presented as being, you know, he's, he's the Fonzarelli who doesn't have the confidence yet. And snatching, like, 40 coins off of his elbow gives him that confidence he needs. Um, and even Mr. C at the end is, like, a little, like, I don't believe that. <laughs> um, and I I didn't really either. Um, but, I mean, like, I, I'm not going to dwell on the bits without Angie in them. Because they're they're amusing. I mean, it it really feels like maybe... Someone was writing an episode where... I mean, okay, I'll tell you what it really feels like to me. First off, like, the, the, the world record thing. I mean, the thing about it is that the world record um, that Arnold sponsored is now held by someone who was in one random episode of Happy Days for ten minutes and will never see or hear from him again. I can assure you that Angie will not reappear. So why is he the one? Who breaks the record? You've got a great ensemble cast. Have someone there do that. To, to me, first off, it, the episode feels like a we were writing about the world record people coming there, and, and maybe it would have been something where they almost got it, but they didn't quite, you know. And, and they say to like Fonzie, Arnold says, Fonzie, you got to jump the barrels like you did back in um, when you ran to the chicken stand when, when Arnold was here. And Ar uh, Fonzie says, I don't do that anymore. Get someone else to do it. And everyone else is doing their best, and everyone else is trying. And it's it's funny to sort of think like you would think like a lot of these world records people take some time to sort of build up whatever it is they're doing um you know you know work at it practice at it but it doesn't look like in this it looks like everyone just apart from you know um richie with the girl sitting on his shoulders everyone else just kind of shows up and the weird thing too with angie and the, and the coin snatching is like when he first does it it's like he's never he's never done it before and you see him in the bathroom trying over and over again failing again and again and again and again and then suddenly when he has to shine he catches 40 of them um no no i'm not convinced sorry and you know what i probably wasn't convinced when i was a kid either uh, well, I so so yeah. It feels like they they maybe tried to write a world record episode and maybe ended with like one of them doing something and just not quite making it. So like, oh, that's too bad we didn't get it. And then maybe like something happened throughout the episode. You know, like um, maybe as Ralph was being nervous, he ate like eighty hamburgers or something. It was like how many hamburgers did you you ate eighty? That's the record. You know what I mean? But somehow Angie gets involved with it and kind of the episode isn't about him until it's about him and then when it is about him in the end who cares yeah he snatches the 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 40 coins off of his elbow fantastic and yes they do a little bit of slow-mo when that happens um but um he's i i guess i so what it comes down to i mean i looked up the actor because my th a thought i had was that um here, here was my thought in that um, the, the, the couple who wrote this were working on a world record related episode and uh, Gary Marshall was like walking through the sets walking by the sets or whatever and he um, he passed he, he passed Charles Galeotto, Galeotto who plays Angie and Charles was maybe um, a PA, maybe he was an extra, maybe he was a stand-in, maybe he was a camera guy, maybe he was a clap load or something, and they're all just standing around in between takes, and he's doing the coin snatching. And Gary Marshall stops and looks at him and goes, hmm, that's pretty good. Huh, okay. 
Hmm. Yeah, okay. Hey, kid, wait right there. And then he immediately runs up to the writer's room and says, I just saw this kid grabbing coins off of his elbow. Yeah, it's it's co- coin snatching, Gary. It's it's like a world record. It's in like the Guinness Book of World Records. We we need an episode where we can utilize um, the, uh, the the this coin flipping that he's doing. Well, the Weinbergers are working on that Book of Records episode. <gasps> okay, put this guy in it. Make him one of the Fonzie's cousins and have him, you know, like something like he's really clumsy, but then he gets the world record of coin flipping. Sure, okay, we'll call them up and, and, and tell them to do that. And they call him up and tell them to do that. It's like, oh, now that guy you spoke to down there, yeah, Charles, uh, was he a, um, is he is he one of the actors? Oh, I don't know if he can act. And my um, my thought at the end of the episode is he can act. He's just okay. He's just okay. The problem is he's surrounded by all these actors and this ensemble cast who are really quite good. And Angie always ends up... he wh- wh- Whenever they show him being clumsy, it's always so telegraphed. Whether he's dropping the tray with all the drinks on it or whether he very oddly drops a full fork on the floor. All of it's very... um. It all feels kind of half-assed to me, and it really does. Like I said, it really, truly, to me, feels like Gary Marshall saw this guy doing this, said, we got to base an episode around that, so that's what this is. And um, and because you never see Angie again, because you never hear from him again, and because he's not an interesting character? And, I mean, like the stuff with the hardware store where he loses Mr. C's truck, and, oh, God... Oh, I just found it tiresome. I really did find it tiresome. Luckily, those scenes are saved kind of in the middle there where um, Angie's doing a terrible job, but we don't want to hurt his feelings. Oh, and we want to... But he lost Mr. C's truck. Luckily, those are sort of anchored by the um, very funny scenes with Richie with the gal on his shoulders at his first appearing with the gal on his shoulders, his dad talking to him about it, and then like them walking through the set, duck, duck, and she keeps ducking and ducking, which is very funny. But... um, it's it's yeah it's 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 just one of those episodes where, um, like I said, it's it's either they wrote an episode of the Book of Records thing in it, then I I and I like I said I'm making it up. Someone came to them, maybe Gary Marshall, and said, "You got to use this guy. He's not an actor, but he can do this coin snatching." So they wrote it into it, or they saw the guy doing the coin snatching and said, "Write an episode around this guy. Maybe he was um." like the son or nephew of an executive at the studio or something like that. He's uh, he. He he tries to do a Fonzarelli Fonzie type voice. It's never really convincing. It's it's never. Um, it it feels like whenever you see like um, someone who's British doing like an American accent, sometimes they really nail it, but a lot of times it just doesn't feel right. And this doesn't feel right to me. So it's um. It ends up being a weird episode where I like, um, I like some of it quite a bit, but. The, the basis of the episode is either whichever either way you uh, is about trying to get in the Megilla book of records or it's about trying to give Angie some confidence your best bet is to make it about the Megilla book of records because it's tough to care about Angie and then at the end when it's like oh Angie's calling from college and he's got three girlfriends and he's got all this confidence because he caught the 40 coins with his it's not um it's it's not uh, very good um, and in, in fact, it was it was funny. I've said before that like a lot of times I watch these episodes for the first time, and this is um, this is the first time I've watched this episode in maybe three years, four years. I remember when I when I came up to it uh, in the menu, I was like, oh, that one with the guy and the coins on his elbow. I I've, 
and I watched it for the first time in ages uh, a couple days ago and um, I had the exact same thought the, the Megillah Book of Records stuff is funny the stuff with Angie is, is not and in fact it's kind of annoying how much time and space is given over to this character who is so underdone and so I mean it really is like a lot of the time you know it's, it's very much like one of those we're told most of what Angie does we don't see a lot of it um which is like like i said like him dropping a couple glasses and dropping a fork is hardly the clumsy um t you know turmoil tornado that we we we're described throughout the episode so that that's always that's always disappointing and he's just not the actor himself is he's not terribly charming or charismatic and he's too whiny and 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 I guess in the end, again, you know, and, and when he becomes like a, a self-confident, uh, very confident Fonzarelli in the end, we don't see it. We, again, we just hear about it. So, so I watched it for the first time and I had the same exact thought. I was like, oh boy. And my notes are here like, oh, Angie, oh boy. And, and, but then it's like, oh, I forgot Richie with the gal on his shoulders. That's funny. Oh, Angie and those coins. Not terribly interesting. Not terribly interesting. I mean, it's funny like when, when. Potsy's doing jumping jacks, and Fonzie says you'll never get off the ground, or when Ralph does his, um, what is it, the world's lowest jump, or whatever. Um, those are funny bits. But, um, yeah, so... But then, then when I watched it the second time, I thought, okay, a lot of time you hear me say when I watch it the second time, I'm much more, I'm much more forgiving, I'm much more in love with the episode kind of thing. Didn't happen here. Exact same thing happened here. Um, whenever Angie was on, I was kind of annoyed. When they talked on and on about Angie, I was kind of annoyed. And I didn't get much out of the final s sequence with the coin snatching. So, yeah. And, and again, I can't figure out what Angie is doing there. Because at the end of the episode, because the, the, epi the episode starts off with... Like he's gonna he's gonna, he's gonna be gone soon. What 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 is happening? Where where was he? Where is he going? And why is he here now? And it's never fully explained. And then in the end, it's oh he's at college. So so he was going from wherever his home is to Milwaukee for a few weeks for some reason, and then going to college. Couldn't he have just gone from his home to college? Why did the Fonz have? It's it's never explained, and it doesn't make sense. And actually, it becomes annoying. Which is weird, which it's it, it's so he's so shoehorned into the episode so poorly that it it actually annoyed me because no one's saying, Why is he there? He's just there, you know, but he's leaving soon. Why is he here in the first he's going to college? Why does he have to be here? Is he going he's not he's not going to college somewhere nearby because he's not there anymore. And it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. I think part of it is that there's no sort of mention of who his parents are it's just suddenly oh my cousin's going to be here for a few weeks uh, he's going to stay with the Cunninghams and we're going to get him a job and then he's going to college uh, did he just appear out of nowhere Where's I'm sorry This I know what you're saying Dan stop going on and on about it and I will in a moment it's just it, it's, it's one of those ridiculous sitcom characters I mean there's even things I, like I said I mentioned how contrived it is I just saw the scene where he drops the spoon or the fork on the floor and it's like he stands up and says I'm going to watch Kukla, Fran, and Ollie and he begins to walk away from the table but he forgets to put the spoon or fork that he was using down does that make sense? Have you have you ever done that? have you ever been sitting at a table eating and then when you were done eating you took a piece of silverware like just kept walking away. I mean, I guess maybe if you had your napkin tucked in or something, or maybe if you had a drink in your hand and you were, you were still drinking it. But if you're done eating a meal, why would you walk away with a piece of flatware in your hand? 
And then how how is it that on an enormous dining room table you can't place? Why don't you place the 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 flower on the on the plate i'm sorry he's annoyed me i could probably go on for another 10 minutes about how annoying i find him and boy when the sequence in the living room with the gal on Richie's shoulders jerry paris is using all of the look look up with the gal's head look at that that dark dark space in the corners there i mean i cannot see the lights normally when the camera's up that high you can see like the lights above the set um but you can't right here I think they must have blocked it off because they knew they'd, they'd have to tilt up like that to keep the, the them in the shot. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's um, that's uh, that's the book of records. It's a, not a not a favorite episode. Like I said, it's very it's um, one step down from Uncle Ollie for me uh, from Green Acres. So I will say the thing, the last thing, and then I'll wrap this episode. Up. I'm so sorry. I'll wrap this episode up. How much time passes in between? the catching of the quarters and when the Cunninghams are all sitting around and, and you know Fonzie's on the phone with with um with Angie and Angie is now left and is at college and has lots of self-confidence and everything like that okay um and Joni is reading from McGill Book of Records which has the record with Angie in it unless she's making it up and it's weird because like those those books are annual so if like how how if how long ago was it if she's reading from the new edition, how long ago was the previous scene in Arnold's? And Richie is singing Blueberry Hill going on a date, and he says that he's going on the date with the gal who's on his shoulders because they found out they had a lot in common, so now they're going on a date. So the chat with Fonzie and Angie on the phone implies several weeks, if not more, the reading from the new edition of the Megillah Book of Records implies a month, two months, maybe more than that. But Richie going on the date implies a day, two days, a couple of days to me, maybe a week at the latest. You know, I don't, you know, this isn't, this isn't Shakespeare. You know, this isn't, this isn't beautiful world literature. This is a, this is a sitcom that they were churning out one after another in the mid seventies. But there's so much about this episode from Angie to the strange timeline in, in the, uh, in the, in the tag there that just, um, just feels sloppy to me, like mid season sloppy. Like maybe someone needed to sit down and say, okay, this doesn't make sense can we please just throw in a couple lines to have this make sense and they don't and it doesn't i mean it's it's and it's so i mean that tagline and then i'll stop that tag scene is is probably my my particular favorite moment they're trying to wrap up all three things you know make make sure that we know that angie's in the book make sure that we know that angie's okay and you see richie like having a little closure with the gal who was sitting on his shoulders but all those things would be with like like weeks or maybe even months apart from one okay i'll stop that was this episode everyone um time capsule which i really liked and uh, the book of records which mostly annoyed me but that's okay that happens uh so that uh, yeah that is the end of this one and next up um who knows what's up next probably great episodes actually let me check i, I can tell you right here i believe next up is shot in the dark and marion well it's either marion rebels or marion rebels um, I like Marion Rebels. Like maybe Marion's formed like a like a has like um uh, she suddenly become a rock and roller and her new name is Marion Rebels. Well, we'll see what it is. But those are the next two. And I'm sorry if I went on a little there about Angie. Angie's fine. He's great. You'll love the episode. Forget forget everything I said over the past twenty minutes. Uh, be good to yourselves, and uh, I will be back soon with the next episode. Listen to this. Be happy day that you're